All right. First John chapter 3 is where we'll be, verses 11 through 18. So glad that you're here on this rainy day, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we're here and we get to worship the King. Amen? We get to worship the great I Am. What a beautiful song that was, Timothy. Thank you for leading that. What a great thought leading into the lesson that we'll be talking about today. You know, we've been studying through 1 John, and John has been teaching us about the hope that we have in Christ. How those who abide in him have confidence and won't shrink back when Jesus returns. And when he appears, we shall be like him and see him as he is. What a glorious day that'll be. Amen. This is the hope of those who are born of God. And this hope we have should be motivation. It should be the motivation for us to clean out those sins in our lives, to stop practicing those things. And why? Because of the amazing and incredible love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called his children. And as his children, we should in turn show others the love as well. So we see John in this week's lesson returning to the topic that he talked about in chapter 2. The concept of brotherly love. Verse 11 sets the tone for this lesson, and let's look at it as we begin. Verse 11 says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Where did they hear that from? Where did that come from? And, and really in this lesson, it comes out even more so than really in any other place, but you can notice it as you study the book of 1 John. But what you'll see as we go through these few verses here today is John doing exactly what he said he was going to do in 1 John chapter 1, and I alluded to it last week as well. But 1 John chapter 1 verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The reason why I have the same verse every time that we begin this lesson is because it's exactly what John wants us to do. He wants us to remember what we have in Christ. And what a blessing it is to be his child. And over and over, and we see this uh, right here in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus making this statement. In John chapter 13, verse 35, something that we all know so well. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. You're my followers. The way that people in the world are going to know who you are and who you represent is by the love that you have for one another, for the brethren, 
for the brother and the sister that is here in the audience, for the brother and the sister that is out in the world. The way that we show people who we are and what we represent is by our love for each other. Oh, yeah, we love our families. Oh, yeah, we'll protect our families. But, brethren, we must love each other the same way. Amen? Are we here at Fountainhead measuring up to that? When it comes to the concept of brotherly love, can we see it from each other? Is it alive and well in this building today? This morning, I would like for us to consider this question. How should we love each other? How should we love each other? Let me read verse 11 again, and then we'll get into the lesson. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, should we love each other like Cain? Look at verse 12 through 15 with me. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. In Genesis chapter 4 is the story of Cain and Abel. And look at what it says in verses 3 and 5. Remember, Cain was the one who took care of the ground and Abel was the one who took care of the animals. And it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. We find out a little bit more information from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible is incredible, brethren. It pulls it all together. I mean, if you ain't reading God's word, I encourage you to begin the journey because it is something that'll take you until the day you're called home. Amen? I mean, it's, it'll take you to places you never thought you would go. Arabia, Babylon, Egypt. But look at what the Bible says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. This tells us that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So the Lord at some time revealed what kind of offering he expected. Well, how do you know that, Matt? Because we know that the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God at some time told him what he expected and by faith, Abel obeyed. But watch this, Cain was willfully disobedient. 
willfully. So that's why when we come to 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. What we see from this illustration is early in human history, the concept of evil hating righteousness. Brethren, are we by faith loving each other? Are we by faith, because we've been commanded to, loving one another? Or are we willfully disobeying? It's either or. It is either or. You see, this point becomes huge when we think about the grand scheme of Because the world and those in it, they're only going to love you so far. Am I right about it? They're only going to care so much. When we live a life that is dedicated to the Lord, the world doesn't understand. So we as children of God... We, as the children of God, are the support system. We are the ones that have to look out for each other. Is that what's going on today? But it doesn't happen if we don't love each other. If we look at each other with anger, if we look at each other with frustration, If we look at each other with gossip and we backbite, we miss the point. We miss the point the Lord intended for his people. Now, this is real talk. If we miss this and we are a part of these things, especially with the brethren, we have missed the point. We missed what the Lord intended for us to become, his body, his called out people. And what do we do? We become like the world. And what a dangerous thing. Look at verse 13. It says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. (laughs) We heard that from somebody else as well. Jesus said in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now in the context, yes, he's talking to the disciples. But brethren, we know this. We know that we are the chosen people because we've decided to obey the gospel. We've decided to put Christ on in baptism. And when we did that, we were added to the family, the church, which is the ecclesia, the called out people. Amen? And Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But yet because you're not of the world, now listen, brothers and sisters, listen, my beloved brethren. Jesus chose us and we are different from the world because if we don't have love for one another, who's going to love us? Who's going to be there for us to support us when we're down? Who's going to be there to feed me when I'm hungry? 
Who's going to be there for me when I just need a shoulder to cry on? The world will up until a point. John makes a comparison. And don't miss this. Cain, with his murderous attitude toward his brother, is like the world and the way it hates Christians. Why do the wicked hate the righteous? Consider these two thoughts. The good man is a walking rebuke to the evil one. If he never even speaks anything to him. Think about that. Isn't that true? A righteous man who's doing the right thing in front of an evil man becomes an example. Because he says, how come he doesn't do what I'm doing? How come he's doing the right thing while I'm doing the wrong one? Think about this. I hate you. Because every time I see you, you show me what I really am. There is still a Cain, the world, hating its able, the church today. So the test for us, all of that being said, the test for us comes in verse 14. Look at what the Bible says. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. (laughs) So let me ask you, are you of the world's opinion or the righteous mind frame? See, the concept in the Greek, passed from, it means to be placed from one place to another. It means to migrate. So if I'm a child of God, I have migrated out of death into life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah, right? Because Jesus came and moved me from darkness into light. If I submit myself to that, if I say that's who I am, brothers and sisters don't abide in death because they love one another. Why is this point brought up a lot? Why, uh, you know, it seems like all the time, uh, for me personally, I don't know, and don't think I'm trying to be repetitious on this, but it's not me that's doing it. It's God. It is a constant reminder to love the world, and it's a constant reminder to love the brethren. If our hearts are not changed and have love abiding in it for each other, here's the reality. We are still living the old life, which is death. If we are discouraging people and not encouraging people, if we are complaining and not helping If we are negative and not positive, we're missing the master's whole reason for putting us together. Amen. Oh, man, you talk about it all the time. It's so repetitive, man. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I don't ever want you to forget that Jesus said we have to love each other. 
Oh, we love our families. I know we do. I love my family, and I'll protect my family, and I'll be there for my family. But will I love you guys the same way that I love my family? I have to. There's no choice. Brethren, we have to realize this. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Isn't that us, brethren? Haven't you heard the voice of Jesus? Haven't you heard, and I'm not talking about in your ear, I'm talking about through the word of God, through the gospel If we are a part of life, being negative and being down and looking for opportunities to go against our brethren should not be who we are. But look at verse 15, powerful. He says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Watch how Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, Senseless man, empty-headed man shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Brethren, how are we, te- how are we teaching our children to love one another? Are we setting an example that is pleasing to God by the way we talk about our brethren around our families? I can't answer for you. I can't answer for the things that you say when you leave and you you have lunch this afternoon. I can't answer for the things that you're going to talk about and what you're going to say. But all that I can hope is that it's pleasing to God. All that I can hope is that we don't backbite and talk bad about each other. That we encourage and we build each other up and we find those ones in the congregation who are struggling and we go and try to help them. And if we've done something wrong to a brother or we've done something wrong to a sister, that we go and apologize and make it right. Is there hate in our hearts For our brethren, is our love for each other like Cain? Oh, I beg not. I plead not. Because if it is, we've missed the point. But brethren, I hope it's like this. I hope that our love is like Jesus. Look at verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
John lays down a principle that we must have in our hearts. We should have the same mind as Jesus had for us. You want to know what that attitude was? You want to know what that mind frame was? He was willing to do whatever for the brethren, even if it cost That's big time, isn't it? That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be when I'm talking to you and you need some help. That's who I want to be when you're down and you need somebody to be there for you. That's who I want to be when you're happy and things are going well. Thank God for these children and Bible Bowl. What an encouragement that is, that they studied the word of God and went and actually competed to show people. And yes, uh, the competition is whatever. But what we see from these children is the excitement to learn about Daniel, the excitement to learn about Ecclesiastes. Hey, uh, children, come tonight and be a part of what we've started, the Fountainhead Kids. This is something that is an encouragement already. Did you see these kids quoting scripture? What a blessing that is. Brethren, we have great things going on here at Fountainhead, but it will not grow. It will not be what it needs to be if we don't have love for each other. Verse 17 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide him in him? And I'm just going to let the Bible ask that question. How does the love of God abide in you? Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This isn't saying that we can't be concerned about others or ask questions about others. What is sinful, the thing that is contrary to God's word, is only thinking the words are good enough. And when somebody really is in need, we're not even to be found. Or even worse, just talking the talk, but having no desire... No intention of doing anything except talking to make yourself look good. Oh, how sad that is. Amen, brethren? The world is full of tongue and word lovers. But the sad thing, the sad thing is the church has them too. But Christians... Followers of the king are to love each other in deed and in truth. And I want to close with this. You want to know how we do that? You want to know how we love in deed and in truth? I ain't done yet, so just hold on. I got at least 10 more. I said I'm about done, but I got just as I'm just messing with y'all. I want to give you deed, and I want to give you truth. The truth is this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 7 and 8. 
I want you to be real selfish for a minute. I want you to think about only you, not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not somebody you think that you could help be better at these things. No, I want you to think about you and only you. You want to know how we love indeed, brethren? We're patient with each other. You want to know how we love each other indeed? We're kind to each other. We don't envy each other. You know, some of the most exciting things, and I think that uh, it, it sometimes happens with preachers, is it becomes a competition. I'm not up here to be the best preacher. I'm far from it. Jesus is way better than me. <laughs> Jesus is way better than me. I don't envy anybody that preaches the gospel. How blessed and how peaceful are the feet that preach the word of God. Amen? Whoever you are, whoever you are. But love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. There's no bragging. Is it, is it, is it a good thing to be proud of something? Absolutely. We should be proud of these kids for their accomplishments at the Bible Bowl. We should be proud of these kids when they memorize these scriptures. But love is not rude. We're not hateful to each other, brethren. We don't say things just because we have an agenda. We're not rude. We're not self-seeking. And we're not easily angered. And we keep no record of wrongs. When somebody says they're sorry, forgive them. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. And boy, I love these right here. Love always protects. Protect each other, brethren. Be there for each other, brethren. Love always trusts. Love always hopes, and love always perseveres. You want to know how we make it, brethren? You want to know how we do what we do and why we are the people of Jesus? Because love never fails. When I have a problem, that's what I resort back to. When I'm struggling, that's what I resort back to. When anything happens in my life, anything comes my way, this is where I resort to. Love never fails. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. Check yourself this week. See if you're going to get better than you were last week at loving somebody. Hey, reach out to somebody. Check on somebody. Be thankful that we have this food program going. Don't be a hindrance to it. Be a help to it. Thankful for the men's ministry coming up. Thankful for all the events coming up. We have the uh, father-son meal coming up. What a great opportunity for us to bring people who may not have ever even heard the gospel. Or some people who are right on the verge of it. Some people who need to repent. You never know what you're going to do to affect somebody's life. But brethren, I need you. 
I need you to pray for me. I need you to be there for me. I need you to encourage me. And I want to do the same to you. When I say it, and, and Jeremy was messing the other night, and I know he meant it in a joke, but I will always tell you I love you because I really do. <laughs> I really do. I don't need no approval to say uh, he's the love guy. It doesn't matter to me. I say it because I love you. I remember where I come from. Brethren, I done passed through that. How about you? I done passed through that way. I done migrated out of that area. I'm in a new area now where grace and truth lives. And that's where I'll always be. And I want you to be there too. If you need me, holler at me. Because I need you pray for me this week hard, will you? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and some things aren't going the way that they should in your life and you need prayers, you need support. We're here. Maybe you're here today, though, and you're not a child of God. Don't miss the opportunity. Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. At any moment. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And I want to just add this in. John in 1 John, he said specifically, the things that we heard and the things that we seen, I declared to you. Why? Because he wants you to know it's real. Why do we believe what we believe? Because the Bible says so. You can look through all the history in the back. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament and bring it all the way to the New Testament. There's over 5,000-something copies of the New Testament roaming around. Jesus was really here on earth. Jesus really did what he said. And Jesus declares, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No other way except through me. Amen? Boy, that's confidence. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you want to be saved, please, I'm pleading, come as we stand and sing.